Today we read this gospel passage about give to Caesar what's Caesar's and give to God what's God's. In the time of an election, in the time of great political polarization. But as we do that and read this gospel, it's a reality that although we are not founded as a Christian nation, there are elements of both our faith and our political traditions broadly understood that work together. Twelve score and four years ago, a new nation was conceived in liberty and dedicated to the proposition that all men and women are equal. Today we are on a battle of divisiveness, which may determine whether that is still true and whether such a nation can continue to govern itself. The Gospel reading today comes up at a time of tremendous polarization. We are experiencing some children ripped from the womb and other children ripped from their parents. We are living in a pandemic. We are experiencing greater and greater inequality of income and wealth. We have huge racial divisions. There is political divisiveness. We are living in a time of tremendous polarization. Any Jew hearing Jesus in this gospel reading would have clearly understood that everything belongs to God and that God is the ultimate authority and owner of everything. The Bible says, the earth is the Lord's and its fullness thereof. We too should see everything in the light of faith and see God's hand in all dimensions of life. Indeed, the reference in the first reading to Cyrus, the emperor, as an instrument of God, even though he did not know God, indicates that God's will can work through those who don't even know him. God can work through a pagan ruler or the Roman emperors who even claim to be God. And God's will can be done by means of a secular state as our own if we as voters and citizens do our work as faithful disciples. In a presidential election, our task, as always, is to see, judge, and act. We must see the realities around us how human life is destroyed and human dignity is ignored. We then judge these things and evaluate the candidates and parties in the light of the gospel and of church teaching. After prayer and reflection within our hearts and consciences, we vote for the candidates who appear to us to serve the common good as faithfully as possible. But our work really is not done yet. Some would say that the work of a citizen is just beginning after the election. In an election, we've chosen leaders. After the election, regardless of who wins, our work is then to continue to advocate for the values of life, to propose solutions, to hold leaders accountable, to build a constituency. While people of good faith might support different candidates during an election, our political system forces us to choose only one, 
<coughs> we can all come together to work for life and human dignity, no matter whom we voted for. After the election, we can all work for doing away with abortion, for reforming immigration policies so we keep families together, for ending the death penalty. In his recent encyclical, Fratelli Tutti, Pope Francis tells us that we must overcome the many divisions. Ultimately, we are all brothers and sisters. We all belong to Christ, and we must all belong to one another. In order to do this, we must cultivate some virtues. Among them are compassion, solidarity, and dialogue. The virtue of compassion. We as people of faith must demonstrate how our nation can be rebuilt by citizens who identify with the vulnerability of others precisely by refusing to channel our compassion and compassionate action along the lines of political party or social class or ethnicity. We must follow the example of the Good Samaritan who had no connection of faith or blood to the beaten man who he found on the side of the road. The Good Samaritan who risked his own life by ministering to him when the robbers might still be near. But he only saw human suffering, and that was enough. Whether it is the unborn, the undocumented, the unemployed, the uninsured, the uneducated, we are all called to care and to serve them all. All human life is sacred. The virtue of solidarity if compassion is the first foundation for the transformation of our nation's culture, solidarity is its complement. In the words of the Compendium of the Social Teaching of the Church, quote, the principle of solidarity requires that all men and women of our day cultivate a greater awareness that they are debtors of the society of which they have become a part, unquote. What does it mean for us as Americans to become more deeply aware that we are debtors to the society of which we are a part? It means that we, what we have and what we are, has been earned by those who went before us and has been gifted to us by God. Solidarity calls us to a continual willingness to place the common good before our own self-interest. It's what makes us possible to say, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. It means recognizing the bonds which tie us to every man and woman and child in our own nation and to the world as a whole. It means that the exclusion and marginalization must be banished. It means recognizing that everyone who lives in Plymouth or Indiana or within the borders of the United States or even the world are our brothers and sisters. It means recognizing that aside from every contribution we have made to the well-being of our nation, we have first 
been fundamentally graced by God and by all the sacrifices of prior generations. The virtue of dialogue, Pope Francis says, a quote, approaching, speaking, listening, looking at, coming to know and understand one another and to find common ground. All these things are summed up in the one word, dialogue. If we want to encounter and help one another, we have to dialogue. He also says authentic social dialogue involves the ability to respect the other's point of view and to admit that it may include legitimate convictions and concerns. Unquote. We need to get to know different people, to understand their hopes, joys, fears, anxieties. We need to listen to them respectfully, listening to their thoughts, fears, and hopes. Listening to them is not giving in. It's developing and showing respect. We might not agree with their choice for president or political party, but we may very well need their support to protect all human life, even our own lives, the lives of our children and grandchildren. The Catholic witness in the public square during the coming months must nurture such dialogue by adopting a new tone of encounter in our statements, our priorities and our disagreements, especially in our disagreements. That people disagree is not a problem. The challenge is how we handle our disagreements. It is vital that we be less magisterial and more dialogical even on those issues on which our convictions are most profound. To remember Lincoln, who spoke at a time of great polarization, with malice toward none, with charity for all, with firmness in the right as God gives us to see the right, and knowing that others might see the right differently, let us bind up the nation's wounds and divisions to respect those we disagree with, to care for those who are suffering, to protect the widow, the orphan, and the alien, to do all which may achieve a just and a lasting peace among ourselves and with all nations. That's what it means for us to gather at the table of the Lord's Supper, to stand with one another and in communion with all those people throughout the world as we remember what he did for us, to break bread in his name and to share the body and blood of Christ with our brothers and sisters all over the world. And may God bless.